Welcome to Dwelling in Possibility with Pastor John Baldwin. This is where hope and direction can be found as we explore the places, people, and passages of the Bible. In this journey through Scripture, you'll learn how you can bring clarity and purpose to your life. You will see that every day you are dwelling in possibility because we serve a God who specializes in the impossible. And now here's your host, Pastor John Baldwin. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to step into this journey to listen to this new podcast, Dwelling Impossibility. Here we are, episode number one. What an amazing opportunity for us to to grow in our relationship together with the Lord, to spend time encouraging each other to be able to pray for one another. Thank you again for taking time, for investing time in your busy schedules here today. Now, what we're going to do over the course of this episode, episode number one, is we're going to define what dwelling in possibility is all about, because this really gives us some insight into why we're doing what we're doing. We're going to look at, over the course of these episodes, every week when we come together, we're going to look at a particular word in scripture. We're going to see the impact that's there. We're going to talk about the biblical application. We're going to talk about the personal application, and I'm excited to see where that takes us, because the objective is to help us to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus, so that so that we don't pause where we are, so that we're continuing to grow, so that we're continuing to share the gospel so that we're continuing to be more confident in our relationship with him. And as we're more confident, we're willing to step out in faith and trust him more and more each and every day. Now I have to tell you, I want to share a story with you that kind of started this whole process off with me. You know, a couple of years ago, our family had a chance to go on vacation. And to be honest with you, vacations are very, very hard for me. Not because I don't like them, but primarily because I love what I do so much. So stepping away from my job is a bit tricky. Now, my wife tends to say I'm a bit of a workaholic. I don't disagree with her. I think there's a ton of validity to that. But this particular day, this particular year, we decided we're going to go to the beach. And I love going to the beach. I love personally to stand on the beach, to look out at the water, to, to feel the wind upon my face, to listen to the waves crashing and the birds squawking, because I'm amazed that God said, let there be. And this was part of that, the roar of the ocean, the smell of the air, every part of that is just absolutely amazing. Now, one particular, one particular vacation, that vacation we took just a year or so ago, it rained every day that we were there. I mean, every day that we were there. It was so bad that they put red flags out on the beach, which means, hey, you can't come out on the beach. Don't go out there, or at least don't get into the water. If you're going to come onto the beach, you're going to get wet. Of course, when you're going to the ocean, you don't mind getting wet, but the storms were nasty that week, and I just remember thinking, what a time at the beach. So all we did was look from our balcony, and we were staying in a home about a block off of the beach. I remember looking from our balcony at the beach for the entire week. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it because we were spending time uh, together with our sons, who were teenagers at the time, and we we were just really, really embracing uh, this time together. Now, the last day, we got up in the morning, and the sun was shining, and we're looking at it, and we're like, oh, this is the day. This is a chance for us to really get out there, to be able to spend some time at the beach, in the water, before we go home. Now, before we even step foot outside the building, building all of a sudden, this storm erupts out of nowhere. I mean, the water was rushing 
from the houses around us, from the streets around us, going down to the beach. I remember looking out the window at this storm, and you could really, you really couldn't even see the beach anymore because the rain was coming down so hard. But I remember looking right below our balcony there. There was a gentleman who was, who was caught in the middle of the storm, and he was debating, do I keep going forward? I'm already soaking wet, or do, do I turn around and go back? And all of a sudden, this trash can flipped over next to him and started getting blown by the wind down the street. He decided, you know what? I'm going to head on back. So he turns around. And I just remember looking at this storm, and again, kind of being in awe of God because God is in charge of all this. There, there's not a single thing that happens to us that isn't filtered through the fingertips of Almighty God. And I just remember looking at this storm and being in awe of that and at the same time kind of being saddened by the fact we hadn't gone to the beach yet. <laughs> now, in about 10 minutes, this storm was gone and the sun began to peek through the clouds. By 30 minutes, within 30 minutes, everything was clear. The sun was out, the sky was blue, the wind had even calmed down. Now you would think, if everybody's been inside the house for an entire week, that it's time to get out onto the beach. If we see the sun shining, and we're here at the beach to go outside to be on the, in the water, and the sun is shining, we're going to go out there. But what was fascinating is I remember looking outside, looking up and down the beach, looking at the homes that were next to us, and, and, and the, the, the condos, and the apartments, and everything that was there, and and anticipating a lot of people beginning to emerge out of there. But an hour after the storm had passed by, what amazed me was there was not a single person on the beach. There wasn't one single person. I looked at our sons who were inside. They're reading books or they're playing a game or they're doing whatever. They're doing some work. And I just remember looking at them saying, hey, you guys want to go to the beach? And they're like, absolutely not. And I'm like, why not? We're at the beach to go to the beach. Why wouldn't you want to go to the beach? And they said, dad, did you not see that storm that popped up out of nowhere? Like, yeah, it, it looks great right now. But two minutes later, the storm could be erupting, and we could be caught up in all that mess, and we don't necessarily want to do that. Now, finally, after about another hour or so, so you're talking two hours after the storm had passed, people started to, to make their way out onto the beach, realizing, you know what, maybe things are going to be okay. And we decided we'd do the same thing. We ventured out, spent some time out there, and it was so funny because... The beach, two hours prior to that, had no one on it. By the time we got down there, there was barely a spot to sit down because there were so many people who decided, hey, let's take a chance. But it took some time to get there. It took some time for them to have a little bit of faith or a little bit of trust that everything was going to be all right. You know, each day we're dwelling in the possibility and the reality that, that God wants to do something in and through us. And many of us pause. Many of us pause. We hesitate. We don't want to step out and take a chance. We don't want to step out and embrace the possibility that we, we could see God do something miraculous in our lives if we're just willing to surrender to him. What we're going to do here is we're going to embrace this journey. We're going to embrace this time together because it's so absolutely essential to us growing in our relationship with Jesus. We have to be willing to spend time with him. Now, the first word or words that I want to look at here today because this is what we're going to do, is we're going to talk about a specific word, we're going to talk about a, a specific scripture passage, and we're going to kind of build upon that. Like I said just a little while ago, we're going to build upon that so that we see the biblical application, but we also see the personal application in our own life. Now, the first word I want us to look at is this word, dwell. Have you ever honestly thought about the word dwell and what that involves? I think if we're honest, the reality is no, we haven't thought about it at all. It's not a word that, that's generally part of our everyday vocabulary. But I want it to be from now on. As we dwell in possibility, as we're dwelling in possibility, we're recognizing something important here. Now, what does it mean to dwell? Now, dwell is defined. To dwell means to live in, a, in 
or at a specified place. Now, the idea of, of a dwelling or to dwell is that a person simply exists in a certain location for an extended period of time. You're going to hang out here. To stay unmoving from a location means that you're going to dwell in that spot. Now, what about possibility? Have you ever thought about the word possibility? What does that word mean? Possibility is defined as a thing that may happen. To dwell in possibility means that we're consistently in a state of recognition where we, where we understand that anything is possible. With God, that statement should resonate hope and peace knowing that no matter what your circumstances might be, there's always the potential to see the impossible become possible. You know, as I prayed recently, I found myself drifting towards a biblical story that, that I think many of us know, and it's the story of Job. And to me, that's a fascinating story, and it's a fascinating story on many different levels. Here are a couple of them. First off, we're intrigued. I'm personally intrigued by the reality that God pointed out this servant Job to the devil. You know, we love to recognize that nothing happens outside of God's permission. And we're broken to see the pain that Job went through because you see that God basically offers him up. And we kind of try to process all that, but it's an intriguing part of the story. We're also intrigued by the fact that, that Job encountered terrible heartache. He endured loss so horrific that he had no idea what to do. His family's taken from him. His career, his businesses are taken from him. His health is taken from him. Even his wife and friends blame him for the hardships that fall upon him. Life was difficult, and yet he did not sin. And I'm also intrigued by his response at the very end. You know, when I look at that story of Job, not only did he not pull away from God, he actually grew deeper in his relationship with the Lord. My favorite chapters of the book are the last few chapters. If you begin kind of chapter 38 through verse 40, through chapter 42, you know, and if you have a, have a couple minutes, I would encourage you to take some time and read it because it's a pretty fascinating section. Up until those chapters, God had been questioned by Job quite a bit. Job's longing to have some understanding about the situation. Why is this happening? He sees his friends. And, and initially, let's be honest, his friends are phenomenal friends at the very beginning. Because Job is in the midst of heartache, he's in the midst of hardship, he's in the midst of difficulty. His friends that show up and for seven days they sit with him and they say absolutely nothing. I don't know that we're like that here today. If we have a friend who's going through a hardship or difficulty, we'll send a text message or an email, maybe give a phone call, but we're not going to sit with him for seven days. And these men came to him and they sat with him for seven days and they did not say a word. Now when they opened their mouth, everything fell apart. But for seven days, they were truly, truly good friends. He's wallowing in the frustration and the misery of the losses that he's endured. And he has boils all over his body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And the only way that he can find any relief at all is by taking broken pieces of pottery and scraping his skin with it. And that's what his friends are watching him do for seven days. And then they begin to accuse him. Job, maybe this is your fault. Job, maybe it's your kid's fault as to why they died. Maybe, Job, there's sin in your life that you need to repent of. And Job's like, I haven't done that. There's no sin there. And so he's crying out for God to judge him or vindicate him. God, show up and let's have a conversation. God, please be present so that we can talk about this. And I love it because when you get to chapter 38, you do see God showing up. And it's a pretty fascinating story because God shows up and he tells Job, he said, okay, Job, 
It's time for you to put your big boy pants on. You're going to be an adult here. You're going to be a grown man. Let's have a conversation. Where were you, Job, when I spoke everything into existence? Where were you when I put the stars and the moons and the planets into the sky? Where were you when I stopped the water on the land? And Job's like, I get it, Lord. You're exactly right. I'm sorry. And God's like, I'm not done yet. Where were you, Job, when I named all the animals, when I created all of them? There's such a beauty in recognizing the power of God. And then you get into chapter 42 because God has corrected Job and reminded Job of how truly powerful he, God, it truly is. And Job makes an important statement. You get into chapter 42 and he says, you know what, God, I knew about you. God, I knew about you. I knew the stories of you. I knew the the strength and the power. He's like, but now I see you. And I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I repent in sackcloth and ashes because he truly began to recognize who he was in the presence of a righteous and holy God. And see, I think that's where dwelling in possibility has to begin with us. We have to recognize that we're in need of a savior. We have to recognize that we are in need of a righteous and holy and just God to transform us. And when we recognize that, we repent in sackcloth and ashes. We turn from our sin and we are obedient to him in every circumstance, in every situation in our life. And I think it's important for us to grab a hold of that. Where do you find yourself here today? Are you willing to set aside pride and ego to embrace the fact that God wants to do something in and through you, but he's not going to want to do it your way. Dwelling in possibility means you set aside who you are and you embrace who God is. You set aside your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own purposes, and you embrace all that God wants to do because our lives, as we surrender them to Christ, are now his. He can do with them what he chooses. And if that means we endure hardship so that his name is glorified and his kingdom is expanded, then that's what we have to be willing to embrace. And that's a hard thing for us, particularly in our culture, to really grab a hold of, to really want to surrender to. I promise you, though, the reward in heaven is far greater than anything you can ever grasp. You see, the best life that we could possibly have is not going to be here. And that's what we have to remember because Peter talks about this, Paul addresses this, we're aliens. We're, we're, we're foreign to this land right here. Even C.S. Lewis talked about that, that. If we have a yearning for something that's not of this land, then the only thing that we can say is that we were not created for this place. We were created for something beyond this. We were created to be there in heaven with God. And there's a beauty to that. There's an excitement to that. There's an anticipation in recognizing that right now we're dwelling in the possibility that anything can happen when we surrender to God. But we have to be willing to do it his way. We have to be willing to step out of our comfort zones. We have to be willing to trust him. So on this journey, what does it look like? You know, I encourage people every time we step into this, don't just listen to a podcast or don't just read a devotional and pass it along like, ah, that's great for the day. Spend some time in prayer. I encourage you, set aside 15 or 20 minutes a day. Set aside 15 or 20 minutes a day not to listen to a podcast. Sure, I'd love for you to listen to this podcast. I think it'd be great. But you know what's most important is that you're in the Word and you're talking to the Savior. You're talking to the creator of the universe who spoke everything into existence. You're talking to the one who before you were in your mother's womb knew about you and had a plan for you. Embrace some time with him. Make it a priority. You know, I always laugh because we talk about in our culture we've got to establish priorities. Well, if you pay attention to that, that doesn't even make sense. Priorities. You can't have more than one priority. You can only have one. And our main priority, our number one priority has to be 
Jesus. Now, I think too often what we do as believers is we sacrifice. We sacrifice the great for the good. We're like, eh, that's just enough. I think what we do in the midst of that is we dishonor God. God longs to do something magnificent in us. Let's not settle for the good, which is, don't get me wrong, it's good. But when you can experience the great, which means you're made more and more like Jesus. When you look at Romans 8, it talks about that. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be like his son, Jesus. The objective, as we, as we grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus, is to be like Jesus. So let's embrace that part of the journey. Let's embrace that in the story. Let's embrace what God has to show us. Expect him to do something magnificent. So set aside 15 or 20 minutes. Allow yourself to walk into this without any specific requests for God. Yes, you'll have time to bring it up, but initially as you begin this, let's try just listening to him. Let's try just reading his word and seeing what he has to say to us. Let's expect that he wants to do something. I think too many people don't believe that God wants to do something magnificent. I know that he does. But I also want you to remember this. As you follow God, as you trust God, as you surrender to God, understand that the devil is going to attack you as well. He hates every part of this. He's going to try to distract you. But do not be afraid. I love Psalm 27. This is a phenomenal psalm. It reminds us, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Today, my friends, we need not be afraid. Today, we can embrace the fact that we're dwelling in possibility. Today, let's trust. Let's trust in the power and the presence of Almighty God. Trust that He's going to change you. Trust that He wants to change you. Trust that wherever you find yourself, God has you there for a very specific reason. And trust that you are not alone in this. You know, there are many of us who are going through similar burdens, things that are consuming us let us not be afraid let us trust let us obey let us understand that we serve a powerful God who can work in ways that we can't possibly begin to imagine or understand my friends let us remember that we're dwelling in possibility let's pray together father we come to you and thank you we thank you for your grace we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your love and mercy, for the hope that we have in you and the salvation that comes through Jesus alone. Father, I thank you for those who are listening here, who are participating in this, who are wanting so desperately to believe that they can dwell in possibility, who so desperately want to believe that you want to do something in and through their lives that doesn't make sense to them, but that will transform them and make them more and more like you, Jesus, which is, which is the purpose in all of this. No, we're not going to be perfect. We are sinful people. But we are to seek to be obedient to you, to trust you, to have faith in you every day. Help us, Father. Guide us. Father, lead us. Father, encourage us. Help us to reach out to each other, to encourage each other. Help us to, to not buy into the lies of the devil who wants to manipulate, who wants to destroy, who wants to tear apart. But help us to trust you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for what you're doing. Help us to be obedient to you, Father, and may all that we do bring honor, praise, and glory to you. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.
Thank you guys so much for taking time. Again, I know you guys have busy schedules. I know you might be driving to work right now. I know you might be sitting at home early in the morning or late in the evening just trying to be calm and quiet. But thank you for taking time out of your day to dwell in possibility. I look forward to getting back to you again very, very soon as we continue our study through God's Word. We trust Him. We embrace what He has for us. I love you guys. Know that I'm praying for you. I can't wait to get back with you again here soon talking about dwelling in possibility. Have an absolutely fantastic day. Bye.